Our good word today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, where Paul gives to us the marks of election. Now remember, we are describing in chapter 1 the characteristics of a true New Testament church. What kind of a group is it? How does a local New Testament church differ from any other group that meets in town? Well, uh, the church is an elect group, and here we find this in verses 1 through 5 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's an elect group. It is an exemplary group, verses 6 and 7, an enthusiastic group, verse 8, and an expectant group, verses 9 and 10, waiting for Jesus to come back. Now, we've been talking about this matter of election. We've talked about the meaning of election and the method of election, and now we want to concentrate our thinking on the marks of election. Verse 4, Paul makes the drastic statement, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. He said, I knew that you are, I could tell when I was preaching there, when I was ministering, we knew that you are people who are among God's elect. This is a good question to ask yourself today. Am I one of God's elect? Now, there are those who teach that you have to wait until you die to find this out. I'd hate to wait that long. My Bible makes it very clear that Paul knew that these people who then were alive were among the elect of God. Why? Because they bore the marks of election. What are the marks of election? They're given to us in verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Now, here we have the three great Christian virtues of faith, hope, and love. And we ought to talk about those for a little while because these are inward virtues that show themselves outwardly. Now, they cannot be counterfeited by the world. I know the world has a certain amount of faith. I know the world has a certain amount of hope and a certain amount of love. But the kind of virtues Paul's talking about here are God-given. This faith is a gift of God. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of faith, and this hope is the gift of God, because unsafe people are without hope, according to Ephesians chapter 2. And this love is the gift of God. Romans chapter 5, Paul says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by his Holy Spirit, which he has given unto us. Now, the, the world, the unsaved world, religious people in the unsaved world can have some semblance of this kind of uh, character. I don't doubt that there are moral, clean-living, nice people who are not saved. They'd be better people if they were saved. They'd be God's people. But Paul is talking here about something that God does for us. It is God who generates within us faith. And this faith leads to a different kind of a life. He talks about the work of faith. Now, faith and works go together. Uh, I know there are those who say, well, uh, I, I'm going to work my way into heaven. I'm going to work for my salvation. Well, the God, God says you can't do that. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, suppose you want to be saved by your works. How many works would you perform? You'd never know whether or not you were saved. No, God has given salvation as a gift, but when you exercise saving faith, it leads to works. And so Paul puts the two together here, and he says one of the marks of election is the work of faith. Now, James talks about this 
over in the second chapter of his little letter. James is writing to some people who profess to be saved, and he says this in verse 14, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Or literally, can that kind of faith save him? Uh, you'd better add that right there in verse 14. Can that kind of faith save him? What kind of faith? Faith that doesn't lead to works. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now, there are two things that James is talking about here. He says we can substitute saying for doing. If a man say, what does it profit a man though he say? If one of you say, we have a lot of this in our churches today, people whose talk doesn't match their walk. Now, this is a dangerous thing. If a person truly has exercised saving faith in Jesus Christ, it will result in the work of faith, which is a godly Christian walk. It's not just a bunch of talk. I fear much of our Christianity today is just so many words. We sing songs and pray prayers and give testimonies, and when the service is over, that's the end of it. And it's hard to find people who will go visiting anymore. It's hard to find people who will sacrifice to help others. It's hard to find people who will open their homes anymore. It's hard to find folks who will go to the hospitals, to the old people's homes. It's difficult to find people who will prove their faith by their works. Now, Paul said to the Thessalonians, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are among God's elect because of your work of faith. You have shown your faith by your works. Now, once again, may I make it clear, no one is saved by his works. But saving faith always leads to works because saving faith is a living relationship to the Lord Jesus. And friend of mine, when you are united to Jesus Christ and his life comes into you, it has to show up in a changed life. I have no confidence in the conversion of people when their life does not change. Paul said, your lives change. Now, in our last lesson, we, you, we connected verse 3 with uh, verse 9. The work of faith was revealed how ye turned, verse 9, to God from idols. That's the work of faith. They turned from idols to God. There was a drastic change in their lives. One of these lessons, we're going to talk about idols. We have idols today. Oh, no, most, uh, most Christians don't bow down before idols of uh, wood and stone, but some of them do bow down before idols of brick and mortar and steel and gold and silver. Paul said, I could tell you people were really born again because of your work of faith. Secondly, your labor of love. Your labor of love. This word labor means toil. Because they loved, they toiled for God and for others. Now this ties in with verse 9. You turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, whom are you serving today? Uh, Paul talks in his letter to Titus, when he writes to Titus, Paul talks about people who, before they were saved, were serving divers' lusts. Now, that's a terrible way to live, to be serving divers' lusts, to be living for the things of the flesh. The unsaved person lives for the flesh, he lives for the world, 
And whether he realizes it or not, he lives for the devil. Now, when a person exercises saving faith in Jesus Christ, he experiences love. Now, unsafe people do not have this kind of love. They may have a kind of sentimental love. Unsaved mothers love their children. Unsaved husbands love their wives. I don't question this, but it's not the deep kind of spiritual love the Bible talks about. There is family love. There is friendly love. There is evil, even in some people's hearts, a lustful love. But you know, this kind of divine love, God's love, you can only have this through faith in Christ. Consequently, Paul says, I know you people were saved because you revealed a labor of love. Now, how did this love reveal itself in toil, in labor, labor for the Lord? Many Christians just sit. Our good friend Vance Havner says, we sing in our services, standing on the promises, and yet actually all we're doing is sitting on the premises. And this is true. You can't build a church on a Sunday morning crowd. Anybody can get up and go to church on Sunday morning. Where are they on Wednesday night? Where are they doing revival meetings? You say you love the Lord. Does your love for the Lord show itself in toil? Now, you take this matter of a man's love for a, a woman and a woman's love for a man and parents' love for their children. What is it but love that would drive a man out of bed in the morning to go out to work and toil and fight the traffic and the machinery and the foreman and everybody else? Why would a woman do dishes, wash clothes, iron, clean house? Now, there's a law in uh, this city that requires parents to take care of their children. If parents do not take care of their children, the law can step in and uh, arrest them. Do you know of any mothers and dads who get up in the morning and say, well, we better go to work or the cops will be here and arrest us if we don't take care of the kids? Of course not. It's love that causes people to toil. And that mother will linger over that cradle late into the night when baby is sick. That father will work hard and save his money when son has to go to college. Why? Because of love. Now, Paul is saying that when a person gets saved, this kind of love, this divine love, not a sentimental love, not a talk love, but a deep divine love comes into his heart and it reveals itself in toil. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I want to ask you today, are you serving God because you love him? There are many people who say, well, I go to church because I like the preacher. That's fine. I'm glad you do like the preacher. Or I go visiting because I like my Sunday school teacher. This is commendable. But if our motive for Christian labor and toil is not love for Jesus Christ, it won't last. This is why many people blow hot and cold, because they don't really have a deep abiding love for Christ. The third mark of election in verse 3, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word hope in the New Testament is not hope so. Uh, the little girl at Christmas time hopes that she's going to get a dolly, and the boy hopes he's going to get a new toy of some kind. No, this is not what hope is in the Bible. Hope in the Bible is patient endurance, knowing that Jesus is coming again. Now, whatever may happen to you today, I want you to know this. If you're saved, the best is yet to come. In the, in the first miracle Jesus performed when he turned the water into wine, the people said to the man at the feast, thou hast saved the best wine until the last. The best is yet to come. Whenever Jesus saves a person, he knows that person's going to go through difficulty and trial. We'll see later on in, Thessal in this Thessalonian letter that these people were going through difficulty. They were going through suffering. And yet they had the patience that comes from hope. 
They had the work that comes from faith. They had the labor that comes from love. And they had the patience, the endurance that comes from hope. Too many Christians are quitters. The minute something goes wrong, they quit. And this is too bad because they miss the greatest blessings. Now, uh, James picks this up again. Over in James chapter 1, he says in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different testings, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James is saying that faith and patience go together. If we have faith in God, we will endure whatever comes our way, sickness, reverses, financial problems, difficulties, misunderstandings. We're not going to quit. The great godly Dr. V. Raymond Edmond was the president of Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois, for many years. Heard him speak a number of times. Perhaps you've read his books. He always said to the first incoming class each year at Wheaton College, it's always too soon to quit. I've tried to remember that. It's always too soon to quit. And Paul said, even though you people went through difficulty and trial and heartache, you had the patience that comes from hope. Now, this ties into verse 10, to wait for his son from heaven. Now, if you're discouraged today, remember this, Jesus is coming again. If things are going rough in your home, if you're, if you're getting over an operation, things aren't moving as fast as you'd like them to move, you've got problems, listen to me now, Jesus is coming again. And you know, friend, you can stand anything if you know it's going to end. You can stand anything if you know it's going to end. And one of these days, these trials are going to end. One of these days, these tears are going to end. If you are among God's elect, then you will show it by faith and hope and love. Because these are the marks of election. Now, if you don't have these marks in your life, if you have to confess and say, well, I don't have this kind of faith, well, then you can have this kind of faith by yielding to Jesus Christ. You say, I don't have any love in my heart for the Lord or for God's people. Well, you can have this kind of love if you'll yield to Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can help you. Well, this is Pastor Warren Wearsby thanking you for listening today to What's the Good Word and trusting you'll tune in again next time when we are on the air.